Thank you to the team that led us, Alhart, uh, for your word, uh, Anna, for directing us in the direction. And I do hope that as we prayed for each other, that you experienced something of God. Um, just something I want to minister into as we were praying now. I felt in my heart to minister into um, something specific. Um, you don't have to raise your hand. But just praying now for, for what's happening here, I felt an unction in my soul to speak into a specific situation. I felt someone here um, fairly recently had a bad encounter with a father figure. And you've been hurt emotionally, carrying that emotion still with you, wrestling with, you have to forgive, but it's painful. And it just sense to speak into that and to say that God sees it and knows it. And God is saying, don't what happened between you and your father take away from what I want to do as a father in your life. And trust me. Just trust me. I will bring healing. I will bring restoration. I will guide you. Just take the burden of fixing the relationship off your shoulder. And trust me. I want to be near you in this season. I am your father. Not your dad. I'm your spiritual father. Trust me. If that's you, I do hope that the word of God ministers to your heart. That you experience his love and his peace in this moment. Amen. If you felt that spoke to you, you're welcome to speak to me afterwards. I'd love to pray with you in that. Are there any sports fans here? I had to transition that moment. <laughs> Those of you who are visiting, my name is Jonathan. I have the great privilege of leading this beautiful congregation. And, uh, I almost say it every time that I preach, but it's really an honor, really an honor to be part of this church and uh, to be able to preach the word of God. And um, thank you for being here. Thank you for opening your hearts to hear what I believe God wants to say to all of us tonight. It's not just a message for you, but a message for us as a church, for us as a community of believers. Um, but for a moment, just allow me to speak a little bit about sports. Okay, just bear with me. If you're a sports fan, um, this is a great season. You must be loving this season. I mean, there's uh, just something in the air with the Rugby World Cup. You might not know anything about rugby, but it's just exciting. I mean, my kids have Bok Fridays every Friday. I don't know why we have school wear anymore. Every Friday, we're going with their rugby jerseys or whatever they have. Um, there's just an excitement in the air. And um, I'm sure it's quite a few of us that is hoping that I'm not preaching for two hours. Um, nervously hoping for what's going to happen later on tonight. Holding our breath for the Springboks. Man, it would be great if we can have, uh, win another World Cup. But it's not just the Rugby World Cup, let's be honest, there's uh, more than rugby in life. I wanted to speak about soccer, but unfortunately, um, 
My team is not at a place where I can say anything. I might elaborate a little bit on that more. But it is also the Cricket World Cup. Now, I thought about this example, and I realized that some of you might have been too small to remember the pain of when Alan Donald didn't run for that final run. If you have no idea what I'm speaking about, just don't, don't even look it up. It's so painful as a cricket fan. The one time where the Pratias, you just knew that was our World Cup. Missed it. Herschel Gibbs dropped the catch. Again, if you don't know who's Herschel Gibbs, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to be relevant. But I'm also trying to relate with the pain of being a cricket fan. Especially a South African cricket fan. But you're looking at the World Cup and you're going, maybe. Maybe. Slowly but surely, there's a little bit of hope rising up in your heart. Maybe this time, they will surprise us. We can all hope. But there's something about sports. Whether you know a lot about sports or nothing about sports, there's something about sports that is attractive. There's something about the, just the, the, the spirit that comes with it. It just draws you in. You get excited. You're going to watch the rugby tonight even if you don't know who's playing. Because there's just something that pulls people together. There's this excitement. And maybe it's because of the, the challenge of having to fight it out. A battle that needs to be overcome. To be victorious. There's something about teams competing against each other. That competitiveness that draws us in as people. But there are moments in sports that's just an absolute mismatch. Moments in sports where the one team is just far greater and better than another team. On paper, this team is stronger, they've got better players, they've got better coaches, they've got better resources, they've got better opportunities. On paper, they should win always, like Manchester United. But the reality is, The reality is there's moments where even though there's a stronger team, when it really counts metaphorically, they don't pitch up. There are moments in sports where the team that should always win on paper just don't pitch up on the day, don't give their best, don't participate. And then what seems to be the far weaker side, the underdog, wins. We would usually call that an upset. Massive upset. When it comes to Christianity, we do something similar. When we speak about Christianity and we hear testimonies of people, testimonies of churches that is actively doing things for God, that is sharing the gospel, that is reaching out to people, that are doing great things for God, that's putting out their faith and they see miracles. When we hear stories like that, we go and we would say something similar like, they radically follow Jesus. You heard people say that? Radically following Jesus. They're radically faithful. But in reality, isn't that the norm of what the church should be? It 
See, a church that's actively involved with the mission of God, actively pursuing the mission of God, shouldn't surprise us. That should be the norm. Tonight, I want to suggest that the church that's not concerned with the mission of God, church that is not actively involved with the mission of God, that should be the upset. That should be the moment that we go, nobody expected that. If it's true, everything that the church believes and the church is not actively involved in mission, that should be an upset. Not the other way around. We shouldn't be surprised when the church is missional. We should be confused when we're not missional. So it brings us back with the question, why is the mission of God seen as a radical mission? Why do we hear stories of great things? We go, that's radical. Why is this mission, I would suggest tonight, wrongfully seen as a radical mission? Because think about it. God is a missional God. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, on a mission. He sent Jesus on a mission to this world to redeem back the world for God. Didn't send Jesus on holiday. Didn't go, Jesus, well, why don't you take a break from ruling the world and visit earth for a couple of years? And it was a mission. God the Father commissioning Jesus, and by the Spirit, He came to earth with a mission. The first missionary was Jesus with the mission of God to redeem back the world for God, to redeem us back. And Jesus entered this world. He came with a mission to this world. And He came part of the mess of this world. That should bring us great comfort that our Savior and our Lord was willing to enter this world and become part of the mess of this world. And yet, in the midst of this mess, in the midst of the challenges of sin and the hurt and people, Jesus never sinned. He lived a life in complete obedience to God, never sinning. Have you ever thought about the significance of that? Never sinning. Just think through your last 24 hours. Don't want you to feel bad, but just think about all your sin. Was there an opportunity where you lied? Opportunity where you weren't faithful? Were there a moment where you were absolutely selfish and only thought about yourself? Was there a moment where you were unloving, unkind, self-centered? Can you imagine if we can't even do it for 24 hours or maybe even an hour? Jesus did it for his whole life, never sinning. Complete obedience to God. Completely honoring God. And then Jesus, out of obedience to the Father, was willing to go to the cross. Again, knowing that He would absolutely suffer at the hands of the people that He created. 
He willfully went to the cross to die. To honor God. Knowing that on the cross, Jesus will not just face excruciating pain, but he will also face humility from the beings that he created. Not humility, persecution and insult. He will face humiliation. And on the cross, Jesus will suffer immense pain for us. But it's the pain after the cross, the pain that we don't see, that is really convicting. Hanging on the cross, and before he went to the cross, he prayed this prayer, Father, if it be your will, may this pass with me, but not my will, your will be done. Because Jesus knew that moment when he cries out and he gives his last breath, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? That's when the real suffering will take place. That's when Jesus will face hell. Separation from God and the punishment of sin, of all sin of this world. That's the suffering that we don't see. Jesus was obedient on a mission to save us. Three days later, Jesus was risen from the dead by the power of God. You realize that Jesus even had to trust God to raise him from the dead. And in that moment, Jesus proved that he is who he said he is. He is the son of God. But not only is he the son of the God, that he has defeated death. And he has defeated sin. And there's new life in him. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's a radical mission. That's radical. Everything we do falls infinitely short to the radical mission of Jesus. That was radical. Our response to him shouldn't be considered radical. It should be considered normal. If this is what he did, how are we responding to him? And whenever Jesus spoke about this redemptive God, this mission of God to restore the world back to Him, Jesus always not only thought about you as the individual, but He thought about nations. God's redemptive plan was never just about us, was never just about you. It always involved the world, the nations. So when Jesus spoke about this, He said the following in Luke 24, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations. Matthew 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. There's a lot of conspiracy theories going around. End times. It's almost been every decade rumors of end times. I'm not saying we're not in the end times, but I really what I am saying is until the whole world has heard about Jesus, the end will not come. To all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus' last command to his disciples involved the nations. This is his commission, his mandate to the disciples. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of 
No, everyone that you like. <laughs> everyone that looks like you. Everyone that's friendly and nice. Your people. Go and make disciples of people that have the same language as you. Go and make disciples of people who love and adore you. They will never disappoint you. Know what? Why don't you just go and make disciples of each other? Why don't you coach each other to be better disciples? I mean, it would be so much easier if Jesus said, just go to the people that love you and that's easy to love. But Jesus said, go to all nations. That implies people that don't look like you, don't sound like you, people that's not saved, people that has not the love of Christ in you, people that will disappoint you, people that will reject you, people that is living in sin, people that it would, might be difficult to share the gospel with. But go and make disciples of all nations. And then Jesus goes on and he says, and I will be with you to the end of days. So you go, know that I've been given all authority, and I'm with you. But God's redemptive plan for the world always included you and the world. God's redemptive plan was never intended to be exclusive. His grace and mercy was never intended just for the individual. Christianity is not a message of you and Jesus it's a message of you, Jesus, and the world. Christianity is intended, God's love and mercy is created, uh, intended not just for one nation, not just for one people group, or for a specific race. It is for everyone. God is a missional God. So why is it considered radical when God peoples, God's people act missional? Why are we surprised when the church acts missionally? The church is supposed to be on a mission. We are supposed to be missional people because we're serving a missional God. If His nature is in us, we're supposed to be missional. The church is not supposed to be thinking about themselves the whole time. We should not be thinking, well, how can we do better church how can it be more comfortable? Oh, man, how can we, can we just sing songs that's nice to dance to? Why don't we get just Miriam to lead every Sunday? This is, it's just so nice. And listen, it's great if you enjoy church. I hope you do. But church shouldn't be all about us. Because God is not all about us. God is about those who's not here. Yes, God deeply loves you. And God's heart is for you. But His heart is not just for you. God's heart is for those who's not represented here. And when the church loses their heart for those who's not here, if the church is not outwardly focused, I want to suggest this morning that we, or this evening, that we cease to be the church, church of God.
the empty chairs around us should concern us. Not because they're empty, but because they represent people. The church, when the church gather, we gather for the mission of God. So what's this mission? What's God's redemptive plan for the world? And how do we play a part in it? The Apostle Paul gives us an example of a summary of how God's going to reach the nations, reach the world. And we find the summary in Romans 10. If you have your Bible with you, this is our main scripture. I would love you to read with me. Romans 10, verse 13 to 15. It says the following. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach? Unless, read that with me, they are sent. Three short verses that gives us a summary of God's redemptive plan for the world. If we break this plan down, it's simple. Someone must be sent. Someone must be sent. And when they are sent, they need to proclaim the gospel. They need to testify. They need to share the good news of Jesus. It's not just they need to live in such a way that the world recognizes that they look different and the world goes, hmm, that's weird. It's part of it. We should live in a way that's different to the world. But ultimately, Jesus needs to be proclaimed because they need to hear the gospel. When we stop proclaiming the gospel, we stop sharing our testimony, we lose the power of the church. Yes, we should look different, but we should proclaim the good news. We should preach the gospel. We can have the next slide on, please. And when we preach the gospel, people will hear the good news. That's why we have to preach it. They can't hear if we don't preach it. They're not hearing it through our lifestyle. We need to preach, share the good news. And once they hear the good news, some will believe. Some will believe. Yes, some will reject you. Some will not believe, but there will be some that will believe. And once they believe, they will call on the name of Jesus, and then God will save them. Simple pattern. Sent, proclaim, hear the message, Call out in the name of Jesus, and God will save them. What's the church's role? We need to go, and we need to preach the gospel. That's our responsibility in the mission of God. Some need to be sent. What's God's responsibility? He will save them. Once they believe and they call on the name of Jesus, they will be saved. Our responsibility need to be sent. We need to go. We need to preach the gospel. 
how we respond and participate to the mission of God is primarily determined by how we answer two questions. And this is not the only reason why we respond to the mission of God. This is not the only reason why we participate in the mission of God. But the way we participate and the way we respond basically comes down to how we answer two questions. Simple questions. What do you believe about who is sent? When you read that scripture, be sent. What do you believe about who is sent? And the second question, what do you believe about who is sending? The answer to these three questions will determine how do you participate in this mission of God. And I think we find answers to these questions in the meaning of this word sent. Now, this word that is used there is the Greek word apostello. Apostello is the same word that we use for the word apostolic. And it means, no surprise, to be sent. To be sent away. But it's not the same as when you would send away a child, someone that's bothering you. Just, just go away. No, to be sent in this way means... You are commissioned. You are given an order. You are given a responsibility. Sent on a defined mission by a superior. That's what this word, apostello, means. So who is sending? Who is sending the church into this world? It's Jesus. It's Jesus who is sending people on God's mission. It's really important. It is not the church sending people. It's not a pastor sending people. And it's not mission organizations sending people. Because if it was people that were sending people into the world, we'd have enough reasons not to go. I don't know if you remember growing up that you would respond differently to the person who has the highest authority in your house. If you have an older brother or sister and they would tell you to do something, you would, who do you think you are to tell me? But if your mom called you, you'd be there. If your dad said something, you better listen. If it was people sending people on mission, there would be enough reason not to respond. If it was the church sending people, there's enough excuses not to go. I mean, who's that pastor to tell me how I must live? I would love to see his life. I would love to see if he does everything that he preaches. The church. Let me tell you how many mistakes the church have made. Who's the church that the church should tell us what we should do? Who's given them authority? You see, if it's people that is calling us into the mission of God, we can respond to them like they are people. And we probably would be reluctant to respond. But it's not people. 
It's Jesus commissioning us into His mission. And our response to the mission of God is not a response to an invitation from people. It's a response to the call of Jesus. And ultimately what you believe about Jesus will determine how you respond. So thinking about the mission of God, we need to ask ourselves, is He worthy of response? Is Jesus worthy of a response? Is He worthy to give our lives to Him? Is, it, is He worthy that we live for Him? He sang the song, All Hail. The song is saying, He is worthy. The question is, do we really believe it? Do we really believe the songs that we sing? Is He worthy of a response to the commission to be part of His mission? David Livingston was a famous missionary to Africa, and he said the following. He said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an, an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? As long as we think doing anything for Jesus is a sacrifice, then being part of the mission of God would be considered as radical. It's not a sacrifice. It's supposed to be normal. If the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who made the ultimate radical sacrifice, invites you into His mission... It's not a sacrifice because this world is not about you. If it was about you, you had to lay it down and it would have been a sacrifice, but it's not about you. It's about Him. And it's a privilege and an honor, not a sacrifice. Which brings us to the ultimate question then. If it's Jesus who sends, who is He sending? Two questions that all of us needs to answer. Who is sending in the great commission of God, in the great mission of God? Who is sending people on this mission? And secondly, who is Jesus sending? Who is sent? Is it only an elect few called to full-time ministry? The professional Christians called into the mission of God? Is this being sent, this commission, only for a specific calling to be a missionary to a foreign, different nation? Is this calling to be sent, confirmed by emotions? Yes. Yes, some of us here tonight are called to full-time vocational ministry. Yes. Some of us will receive a calling to be a missionary to a different nation. And yes, sometimes God does use our emotions to confirm something in our lives.
But no, it's not just that. It's not just those called to full-time ministry. It's not just emotions, and it's not just missionaries. God, Jesus, is commissioning everyone that has benefited from His mission to be part of His mission. If you've benefited by God's redemptive plan for this world, then Jesus is commissioning you to be part of it. Jesus is sending His followers and His disciples on His mission. It's not an elect few. And yes, some of us have specific callings. Sitting here tonight, you're preparing to be a teacher or engineer or, or whatever God has called you, a specific calling to. Some of us are already walking in that calling. And some of us are called to, to live in a specific way, in a certain area, in a certain environment. It's specific to your life. But one thing that is not specific is the general call of God to be part of His mission. It's something that we cannot abdicate and expect the person next to us to do it. It's a personal response. Who is sending? Jesus. Who is He sending? His church. God has placed the redemptive plan for the world in the hands of the church. And the question is, will we be faithful with it? Will you be faithful with the mission of God? See, when God saved us, He didn't just save us from sin and death. We shouldn't have fear eternity. We shouldn't fear what happens to us after death. He didn't just save us so that we'll have easier and more comfortable lives. He saved us for a purpose. He saved us so that we'll be part of His mission. saved us so we will carry his name to the ends of the earth. And each one of us sitting here tonight has been called into the mission of God to spread his glory to the whole world, to all nations. Leaving this venue tonight, you are commissioned by Jesus to preach the gospel there where he has placed you. It might be in your dormitory. It might be at your workplace. It might be at the place where you're staying. It might be with family. It might be with other friends. It might be with co-workers. But Jesus has called you to his mission. How will you respond? Because just as God the Father sent Jesus into this world with a mission... So Jesus is sending each one of us into this world with his mission. So ultimately, do you believe you're sent? And do you believe that Jesus is sending you? Because if Jesus is sending us, even if you don't believe you're sent, maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking about all the obstacles why you cannot actively participate in the mission of God. My life's not sorted out. 
There's too many things that I'm trusting Jesus for. I've been sinning more than I can imagine this last 24 hours. Um, there's just enough reasons for you not to be part of the mission of God. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know how to share my, my story. I don't know how to share the gospel. What if I lead them in the wrong prayer? Will they be saved? I don't know. Maybe I should come back for training. Maybe I should be part of the group that dances in the front. Then I'll be equipped to share the mission, the gospel of Jesus. There's always going to be an excuse. And the call of God is far greater than any one of us. Therefore, you will never feel adequate to carry that. That's why Jesus said, I'll be with you. But if you believe that he sent you, then our response is normal. I'll go, God. Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you, and you said you will be with me. Then I am sent. So do you believe Jesus is calling you? Do you believe Jesus is sending you into this world to be part of his mission? Let's pray. And I want to give you a couple of moments, just a personal prayer to reflect on whether you believe that He is sending you. And if you believe God is sending you, I wanna, want you to ask and pray a bold prayer, Lord, where are you sending me to? Would you give me a name? A place where you are calling me to. Maybe it's a friend's name, family member's name. Just take a couple of moments just to pray into, am I sent? What do you believe? And then to ask God, where are you sending me to? Father, as we're quieting our souls tonight in front of you, I pray that you would bring conviction to our hearts, that you are the one that's calling us. I pray that you would be greater, your calling will be greater than any excuse that we might be facing, Lord. Any obstacle, any reality that is in front of us, Lord. And I pray that by your spirit that you would give us courage and boldness to trust you, to step out in faith. I pray that you would give us the words to speak, Lord. I pray that you would give us an opportunities to share the good news of who you are. Lord, I pray for every person that you have placed in our hearts that's not part of this church. Every person that is lost for your kingdom and lost for eternity purposes. I pray that you would call them back to you, Lord. I pray that you would give us opportunities to minister to them, Lord. And Lord, we, by faith, we want to respond 
to your call, to your mission, Lord. We want to stand up, Lord, and say, yes, Lord, we'll go. But, Lord, we know just from our own strength and our own abilities, we'll fall so infinitely short, Lord. And therefore, Lord, we're asking, Holy Spirit, would you be with us? Would you be greater than all our excuses? And would you help us, Lord? Lord, may we see others come to faith because of what you're doing through our lives. And again, Lord, tonight we want to declare it's not about us, Lord. It's about you, your kingdom and your glory. You are worthy, Lord, of our response. Thank you that you've chosen us, Lord. Thank you that you involved us. And thank you for what you've already done. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to do something that we didn't necessarily plan. Um, Sunay, would you mind just quickly standing up? Um, If you feel God is calling you into full-time vocational ministry, would you, after the service, come and speak to Sunay? Sunay, would you mind doing that? Thank you. So Sunay's going to be here in the front. And if you feel there's an unction in your soul that God has placed a full-time vocational ministry call on your life, either to be in full-time ministry or a missionary, would you come and speak to her? Would you come and give her your name? We would love to help you step into that call. But all of us are called. All of us are called into the mission of God. We've got a mission to the places where God has placed you, but we also have a mission towards the world. And Reach Week is all about how do we reach the world, the nations. I want to share a story with you. Um, it's on the next slide. Um, a couple of, uh, almost a month ago, I had the privilege of ministering in our church in Utrecht. And the purpose of why I was there wasn't just to minister. It was that the church has grown to a place where they are making some important leadership decisions. And I was there to help them think through the strategy of going forward. And you need to understand there's a little bit of context in 2016 at our world conference then, there was appeal by our international leaders that we would put focus on reaching Europe, that the gospel needs to be preached in Europe. And we came back from that world conference, and our Tswane leadership came together, and we said, well, God did something in our hearts. There's a mission that God has placed in front of this church to be involved in spreading the gospel in Europe. And we started praying into this, and eventually we identified leaders, Philip and Mareka. And Philip Mareka, some of you might know the story, was sent from this congregation in 2019 to Blora Church in Etrecht. And for the last four years, we've been actively involved with this church. Some of us has gone on missions to support them. Some of us has prayed numerous prayers for what needs to happen in this church. But some of us has also been giving financially into this church. That's what REACH is about. To pray, to give, and to go. And together we can do so much more in reaching the nations. Four years later, that's the second photo there at our world conference again. Seven years after Pastor Steve Morrow made the call to REACH Europe. We got together. That group sitting there is a translocal eldership team that for the last four years have governed this church. This church had grown to a place where that seemingly insignificant moment there on the screen was a really big moment for us as a church. And that was our last meeting as a translocal eldership. And as of last week, 
every nation's Utrecht is governed by local leadership. They are established church. And we're so proud of this moment. We're so thankful of this moment. By, God, by God's grace, we've seen a church being planted in Europe. And we'll still go. We'll still support them financially. We're still going to pray for Utrecht. We're still going to pray for the Netherlands. But there's something so significant in this moment that there's now local leaders taking ownership for what needs to happen in Utrecht. It's possible. Because people like you is willing to pray, to give, and to go. Thank you. Thank you for being part of something greater than yourself. Reach us hard, because together we can do so much more. Let's pray, give, and go.